symbolic that I forgot to turn my battery on as I get up here on Easter Sunday. <laughs> but I remembered. I also forgot I wore glasses, though. <laughs> oh, there's people here. It's crazy. Woo! You have no idea how happy I am that you're here. Thank you. And everyone online, I'm supposed to wave at this camera here. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of people who are joining us online, and it's, we've been pre-recording our, our worship for about a year. We've still been gathering throughout it, and um, it's so nice not to give a sermon on Friday and then come back on Sunday. And, oh, God is good all the time. We have so many thank yous. I really appreciate all the tech team, you know, and we have uh, more in the back doing the online, but everyone who's, you know, the campus is just beautiful right now. I want to thank everyone all of the work that they've done uh, preparing, especially for this day. This is, this is huge. Easter 2021. What do you remember about last Easter? I mean, early in January 2020, we did what we always do, and we came together and we started planning out Lent to Easter a year ago. And you know, Lent is this 40-day season of preparation for Easter. It goes back to the very, very early church. And, and, and then you begin Lent on Ash Wednesday. And so we gathered here Ash Wednesday 2020. It's the last Wednesday of February. We started the journey to Easter. But it's almost like Easter never came last year. Rather than 40 days of Lent, it's, it's like we had 365 days of Lent. 365 days preparing. I mean, the shutdown happened right after we began Lent, 2020. And, and we couldn't gather and, you know, no, all those plans that we, we made, they, they didn't happen. We decided we were going to see it as a growth opportunity. We are going to put our, you know, turn our lemons into lemonade and our scars into start and all that stuff. And so, you know, we had no idea what to expect whatsoever. We were ready to come back on Easter, you know, if we could. But um, in the meantime, we were going to use that opportunity to do the best that we could for God and for our church, and we are going to go online. We wanted to keep everyone connected and we really, you know, as we, we, when people did come back to the campus, eventually we wanted to be stronger for the experience. But we didn't come back for Easter. We've been saying for years, the church is not a building, right? I mean, the church is a people. The church is a movement who are out there doing God's kingdom work. When 2020 became the year the church left the building. And I was so proud of our church. You know, we, 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 we committed to giving 100% of our offerings on the fifth Sundays to uh, just benevolence. And last year we gave over $140,000 from those fifth Sunday offerings to primarily uh, East Kennewick uh, through our program at Eastgate Elementary. Uh, provided a lot of meals for a lot of families and then also for Honduras Sent a lot of money down. They had some significant storms. And we're rebuilding homes right now. Uh, or building. We aren't even rebuilding. They just scrapped them down in Honduras. And that was all amazing. And we're still doing that. And 100% of our fifth Sunday offerings are designated to benevolence. Just helping people. 
But I'll tell you, it was the weirdest apocalypse. Last week I shared an article with our staff where the writer described 2020 as an apocalypse softened by pleasantries. And to be honest, my apocalypse was pretty comfortable. You know, the toilet paper situation kind of got a little scary there for a bit, but, but we never really ran out. You know, outside of, you know, I, I, I did experience about a week-long uh, government-imposed national shutdown once when I was in Honduras. But outside of that, I don't really have experience with that type of thing. Not like the most of the world, you know. And, and honestly, the majority of my 2020 was kind of a, a series of really comfortable Groundhog Days. But it wasn't what I wanted. For 2020 not at all nothing at all and I know I'm not alone I mean emotions were all over the place right you know we all experienced you know grief and fear and, and, and anxiety and isolation and depression and loss and anger disappointment and betrayal I mean the list just goes on and on but I do feel right now we're adding hope and we're adding new beginnings to that list. COVID's definitely not in the rearview mirror yet, but we have made a turn. I really believe this. And I feel this Easter that we're, we're, we're stepping out of a tomb that's been holding us at bay for a year. Lent 2020 is finally over. And it's time to leave the tomb, and it's time to experience life. I love John 20. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And, you know, right before John 20. So Jesus was publicly executed, and he was placed in a tomb on a Friday. And this large stone was rolled, sealing the tomb... And, and the next day was Sabbath, and so according to Jewish law, Jewish custom, they had to leave Jesus' body alone until Sabbath was over, meaning all day Saturday. His body lay behind this big rock. And the kids just read uh, the first half of John 20. And this chapter, it starts out with just tears of, of fear and tears of grief. But as you progress through the chapter, they move from tears of sadness to tears of joy. As the followers start experiencing hope, I mean, it's like the curtains just start coming open. And then they culminate when they realize that Jesus was God incarnate among them. And I kind of feel like we were in the beginning of John 20 for a very long time. Tears of fear and grief stage. And I think we moved into that second stage where we're having some hope for a new beginning. And I'm really hoping today is the day that we move into the third stage where we experience God. And we'll see what God can do today. 
John tells us Mary Magdalene was the first. She came to the tomb early on the first day of the week, and she saw that the stone had been rolled away. She ran, and she got Peter and the beloved disciple. And they come and check it out, and the, the body is gone. Jesus' burial wrappings are the only thing that's there in the tomb. And John tells us, right then and there, the unnamed disciple believed. And they left. And one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, Mary stays there, and she's crying outside of the tomb, and as these two guys leave, she's just weeping. And time stops right here. Actually, the verb tense in the Greek, it's, it's called pluperfect. We don't really have that in English. But pluperfect basically is a tense that it's, it describes an action that happened in the past but is continuing into the, the present. Uh, it, it didn't stop is the point. It's just like everything just kept going. She's stuck in her tears, is the point. It's like 2020. Time stopped for Mary. The moment the tomb had been opened, grief started. It was pouring out. And anguish. And then it's still going on, is the point. And then she bends over and she looks in. And she sees something. John says there's two angels in white sitting there. And they say the most beautiful, I, I, I just, I, woman, why are you weeping? He said, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've taken him. And then she turns and, and, and the gardener Asked, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She doesn't know what to think. And she says, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where he is. And, and I'll go and I'll take care of him. And the gardener says, Mary. And she knows the voice. And she turns. It's not the, the gardener at all. She's a rabbi? Jesus? And they talk briefly, and then Jesus tells her to go to the disciples. She's face to face with the resurrected Christ. Everything changes at that moment. Tammy and I, we live out in a farm, pretty far out in the country, about as far in the southwest corner of the, 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 the county that you can get. And, and our house overlooks this, this uh, we're on a ridge, and we overlook the, the Columbia River. And it's our little bit of heaven. And we did a lot of recording for worship on the farm last year. And all of the staff, we all wanted to kind of invite you into our houses and into our homes and into our lives. Because, you know, we wanted to use this opportunity maybe for you to get to know us a little bit better. And we learned a lot about video recording last year. Uh, things I never thought I'd have to think of, like how to work around the sun and, and the wind, and is there enough memory on my phone? One time, yeah, so Tammy would start recording my messages, and then she'd walk off. And I'd just be there with the camera. 
And I got to the end of the message, I went to get it, and, and it didn't record. And so I was like, I'm going to go get her, started up again, she walked away, got to the end of my message, it didn't record. We did this like six times, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be nice, but I'm like, why are you not putting me in this recording? And finally I realized I had so many videos from all those messages on my phone, I had no memory, and so it was just shutting off. We learned so much. But anyway, so the farm butts up against Canoe Ridge. And, and so uh, the view up there is amazing. And, and we thought uh, for, for Easter that we would go up there and we'd record. We had several different videos that we had to record last year. And, and we were fighting the sun and the wind the whole time. And we'd record once, you know, we'd be on one side of it. And then it'd get too much, so we'd move a little bit. And then we'd, you know, just we kind of went all the way around it. And uh, we recorded my message uh, up there, and, and then I got a call that Saturday night at 11 o'clock, the night before Easter, uh, from Trevor, and he said, you know, the wind's too loud, you're going to have to redo it in the morning. So I got up early on Easter morning, and, and I readed the message the minute the sun hit, and then I sent it in, and, and I was just praying, because we have the worst internet in the world out there. I mean, it's like dial-up. Uh, and so <laughs> I never saw that coming on uh, Easter Sunday. But anyway, so last year my wife Tammy read the last part of, of John 20 when we were up on Canoe Ridge up there. And, and there was this, you know, we, the, the sun was perfect the, and we knew it wasn't going to last long. And the wind was, was dying down. And there was this big rattlesnake like eight feet away. And, you know, I'm good with dispatching them at, at our house, you know, yeah. But um, it, we didn't have time for nothing. I just wanted to get it done. And so we just decided, let's just leave it there. And let's get through the passage. And, you know, man, she has come a long way with snakes in the last, you know, couple of years since we moved out of the farm. So I want to share, anyway, uh, Tammy reading the rest of John 20 from last Easter up on Canoe Ridge back at the farm. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. So I love this whole chapter. And especially at this moment, you know, the, the disciples are locked in fear. And then Jesus is among them. And their fear in a moment 
changes to gladness and joy. But there's one disciple who's not there, and that's Thomas. And we know this, you know, doubting Thomas. They tell him, and he doubts it. And so then a little bit later, Jesus is there again. He's there in the room with them, and Thomas is there. And, and, And his doubt is transformed to faith. All of these stories in John 20, the the stories the kids read, the story that Tammy read, where are you? You start out with Mary in grief, right? And then Peter in uncertainty. The unnamed disciple believes. But the other disciples are hiding in fear. Then you got Thomas in doubt. And we've gone through the ringer, emotion-wise, this last year. And we're on the road to recovery, but we're not there yet. We've been dealing with so much fallout, right? Just emotional. I mean, the economic, but the psychological, and, and, and our kids' education. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This last year, you know, you throw all of the 2020 stuff in. I mean, Costco out of toilet paper. I, it just went nuts. And it just you know, this last week, we've been reminded with, you know, the Derek Chauvin trial. The ook from the last year. The race riots. The Capitol Police officer who died just a couple days ago reminded us back January 6th and all the election junk. And on top of all that national and that international stuff, the thing, you know, we, we all have personal grief from last year. I mean, it wasn't just the news stories, right, that just we struggled through. We had tragic deaths here. We had a couple really tragic deaths we had health issues, and we couldn't go to the hospital and visit our, our family. My mom was in Richland Rehab there for a while, and, you know, we, we couldn't, we had to visit her through a, a screen outside. We just, it was terrible. They'd wheel her in. A personal friend of mine committed suicide last year. I mean, every one of us, we experienced a lot. And we were in isolation at the time. Which is why we need John 20 right now. Because John 20 describes the new day of a new dawn, of a new creation. I mean, the first day thing John tells us in chapter 20 is that it's the, the, the new first day of the week, early And within a few paragraphs, he tells us not once, not twice, not three times. He says, they're in a garden. And and he says, Mary thinks the resurrected Christ is the gardener. You know, and and she's right, because Jesus is the new Adam, is the point, in the new garden. You know, in Genesis, Adam was supposed to take care of the garden. If you remember the story, he was the gardener. And John is telling us right now the truth about the resurrection. Jesus is the new Adam. And it's a new creation. Because the resurrection is about new creation. It's about new life. And John says, later on that night, 
that Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples, he breathed his breath into them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. One by one. In the original garden, in the story, you know, God took, I mean, we've talked about this before, God took some dirt, which is a damah in Hebrew, and he breathed his breath, his life into it, and the damah became Adam. It's a Hebrew word, Adam, human. And the point is, it's just dirt. Before God breathed his breath into him. That's what's happening. Jesus' resurrection is about new creation. What was dead is now alive. This is the deeper truth of the resurrection. See, the cross, the cross was not the end of the story. The worst thing is never the last thing. Death does not have the last word. God brings new life. That's the message of Easter. And it's the message we need right now. God redeemed the cross. God bent the evil that was intended. And he forced it into good. God brought life from death. That's the message of the resurrection. In the midst of our sorrow, we can experience joy. We can have hope for a new beginning. The worst thing is never the last. God can take something horrible and use it for his purposes. He can transform even the worst into good. And God still does this can make the most miserable experience worth something. The resurrection says God. God can take any and all of our emotions from this last year, our human condition, and God can transform it. And God can take that miserable tomb of 2020 and, 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 and redeem it. He can make it worth something. That's the message of the resurrection. The worst thing is never the last thing. You know, I've heard that the events of 2020 and, and 2021 so far, that they're going to be the defining events, defining story for our generation. And the other day I even heard they were referring to the kids right now as the COVID generation. Eh, let's not do that. Don't define them by the misery of last year. I don't think you can, I don't want those tragic events to define me. Or any other tragedy, for that matter. I, you know, I, I'm not going to accept that. My life is not going to be defined by tragedy. I want to be defined by the resurrection. The God that forces life to come from death. But that's a choice, right? This is something we have to determine. I'm going to choose. We can choose to be defined by all that garbage, or we can choose to be defined by the resurrection. And we do that by giving our tomb to God. Because God brings life from death. 
we can give this miserable experience to him. Just hand it over to him and allow him to bend that evil into good. And I can't tell you how God will transform some of this stuff. I mean, but I know he will. How? God can take our fear and our anxiety and our anger and our feelings of betrayal, whatever you got right now. You know, you can give it to God and say, God, I don't want this to define me. Take this thing from me. I want to experience freedom. Release me from this bondage. Roll away this stone. I want to experience new life. I want to experience a resurrection. The message of the resurrection is that God, God offers life. And we can accept that offer. Earlier in John, we're told the reason that Jesus came in the first place is to offer us life. And that's what happens through John 20. You know, one by one, Mary and then Peter and the beloved disciple and the rest of the disciples, even Thomas, they all become a new creation. And they start John 20 in pain. And then they experience new birth. New life. And they realize that God was able to force that cross. And that tomb into something they could never have foreseen at the time. Never would have expected, let alone understood it. But until that moment, they experience the resurrected Christ and the light of the reality of the resurrection that shines on their grief and, and their loss and their fear and, and the darkness is not overcome. Because we've all been at this tomb, right? Like Mary. And, 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 and time stopped last year. I mean, that's perfect all over the place or there. You know, I am pronouncing right now Lent 2020 is over. It's Easter. It's time for a new beginning. I mean, there's so much in John 20. And I especially love Jesus and Thomas' conversation. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't force Thomas to believe. He, he waited. And he worked for, with him. And, and he let Thomas decide on his own. And we all have to decide for ourselves. But Thomas gets to be the star. I mean, the, just the pinnacle... The, 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 Chapter 20, out of the whole thing, Thomas is the one who gets to say, my Lord and my God. There's a couple more verses at the end of John 20. The narrator's speaking. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, not recorded in the book. But these, he said, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, is the point. That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. You may. Everything in John written for this. You can be a new, you can be a new creation if you believe this to be true. You know, every Easter, I always, uh, I think I've been preaching for almost 28 years now. 
And I always have ended my message on Easter with the same thing. And, you know, most of you probably already know. What does this story mean to me? And do I believe this resurrection? Especially this year. You, you have to understand, I not only believe this to be true, I need this to be true. I'm counting on this to be true. I lost several friends this last year. I couldn't be with them. And people I love, in the midst of their grief, it was terrible. I'm going to the rehab center and just, my poor dad, you know, they had this window that you could kind of walk up, but dad could barely walk sometimes. And, I, you know, he had to walk through all this gravel to get to the window screen for him to see his wife of, you know, 60 years. And that whole time couldn't come to church. That was hard. I need this story to be true. I need to know. When I see people who are suffering, people that I love that are suffering, I need to know there's hope. That their suffering will not be the last word. I, the resurrection changes everything. You know, I can't imagine being defined by anything other than the resurrection. How would you go on, especially right now? But the resurrection says the worst thing is never the last thing. I not only know this is true, I'm counting on this to be true. We've all been in this tomb. We can't see the light of day. But God can take that. God can redeem that. God can bring you out of that and, and, and bring meaning to the experience. That's what redemption's about. Make it worth something. God can do amazing things in your life right now. He can take this long last year and, and force something to good to come out of it. But we have to open our heart to him. We have to say yes to his work. Yes to his love. Yes, to his life. Next week, we're going to start a new series. There was a time in the Israelite tradition where there was this, this it's called the exile. For generations, they, were, they, they weren't able to be in their home. They're just forced, taken, forced. And when they finally came home, not all of them chose to come home, and some of them took a long time to get there. It was time to rebuild, and, and they made some amazing, wonderful choices, and they made some really bad choices. And I think for us, right now, studying that experience, and especially the book of Ezra, it's going to be a gift to us, and I want to invite you next week, but it starts right now. God is offering you new life. Will you say yes? Will you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you on this day for hope. I thank you for new beginnings. I thank you for the power that rolled the stone away. 
we offer this tomb to you. Help us to experience a resurrection. In your son's precious name we pray.